1: Hi, this is Monica This is Sheila Hi, this is Julie This is
2: Lynn This is Liz News Talk and Laughs News Talk and Laughs We tackle the world one cup one of coffee, cup of at, at, coffee a time. at a
1: time We are the Satellite Sisters And this is the Satellite Sisters Podcast I can't waste time, so give it Welcome to Satellite
0: Sisters To Go. Lee and Liz and Julie here. We would like to thank VTech Phones for sponsoring Satellite Sisters To Go. They're a great supporter of ours. We hope that you support VTech cordless phones. All right, this is a huge show because, Liz, as you know, last week Julie laid down the gauntlet to Matt Lauer. She said, Matt, I don't care. You go on these world tours, but I am going on something bigger Yeah, Yeah. where in the
3: world
2: is Julie Dolan? We didn't even know.
0: And Julie, where in the world did you go last week or this
3: week? I went to Iraq. While Matt Lauer was on the Seychelles Islands, I went to Iraq, and I had such a meaningful trip, and I can't wait to tell you all about it.
0: You know, we can't wait to hear about it. You've been posting on the blog for a couple of days, first from Istanbul and then from Kurdistan, but we haven't actually gotten the whole story. You haven't even told us yet, so later on in the show, special INRU, International News Roundup, about Julie's trip to Iraq. Take that, Matt Lauer. All right, just take it. Because, again, remember, Matt has a giant staff
2: of people. Yes, NBC I just have a big news. suitcase. That's all I have. <laughs> and the I world's thickest no passport at this point. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have producers
0: going ahead, surveying the
3: situation. There's no
2: advance team at all. No. The,
0: good, the good news is you can get your
3: visa right in Iraq. So you don't have to do it. You know, just just FYI. <laughs>
0: Okay, Okay, maybe I'll go. All right. Also, later on in the show, Entertaining Sheila is going to be here. Um, there's a movie that came out last week. It, you haven't heard much about it, but she is reviewing Iron Man.
2: <laughs> so, Because, you know, Entertaining We're trying Sheila. to build up some popular support yeah. for this movie. Yeah. Poor, that it?
0: Poor Robert Downey Jr. You know, no one talks about him or his starring roles anymore. <laughs> Sheila's been a big fan for a long time. Uh-huh. So she's championing a little small movie of his called Iron Man. You're going to want to stay tuned for that because you probably haven't seen it. Um, also, so much going on here this week. While Julie was in Iraq, Barbara Walters was on Oprah. Oh my oh, God, we oh, have you to missed talk it. about that. So we have to talk about. I'll give you. That. I'll
2: tell you everything you need to know about that. <laughs> All right, excellent. <laughs> but first and thing. we have the winners of the most embarrassing mothering moments contest. Oh, yeah, right? right. So at the very end of today's show, I think Sheila's going to be awarding those. Uh, oh, but first, I know it's Mother's Day weekend. We're going to get into some of that later on in the show. But this is a birthday wish we received, and you know. We have invited these in the past, so Mm -hmm. don't be shy. If there's some kind of long-distance dedication you would like us to do on Satellite Sisters, we're open to any and all suggestions. Maybe not all. We're open to some good suggestions. And we got a very good message here the other day. You can just email us. Go to SatelliteSisters.com and click on where it says Contact Us. Carol wrote us this email the other day. Dear sisters, I'm the oldest of four sisters. My sisters, our mother, and I are all big fans of your show. My sisters live in Washougal, Washington, Foster City, California, and Temecula, California. I live in Burbank. My youngest sister, Janice, she's the one in Foster City, mm-hmm. Julian leigh mm-hmm. uh, is an especially avid fan. Well, good for you, Janice. That shows excellent judgment. This past weekend was my 50th birthday. Janice took it upon herself to organize a wonderful spa day for the Occasion. Isn't that oh, nice. way to go? That way is to go, the total Janice. spirit of the satellite sisterhood, Janice. Uh so she flew down for the weekend and made sure everything ran smoothly. My mom, daughter, and other sister enjoyed catching up with each other and being pampered. Well, Saturday, May 10th, that would be mm, tomorrow. Saturday, May 10th is Janice's birthday. I want her to know how much I appreciate all she does for our family. She is the glue that holds our family together. Okay, Carol, we have that debate a lot in our family because everyone claims to be the glue. (laughs) 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 So, Carol wanted to know, because Janice is the glue that holds the family together, I was wondering if you could mention her birthday on the show. She religiously downloads your show to her iPod. When she was here, she mentioned the show several times. I know it would mean a lot to her if you wish her a happy birthday. Her name is Janice Acton, and she will be 43 years old. So Janice, just in every way we can say it, happy birthday to you. We hope you have a fantastic year. Thank you for listening to the show. But more important, thank you for taking good care of your own satellite sisters. Because we always say the most important thing about the satellite sisterhood is staying connected to each other and sort of doing those nice things for each other. And it sounds like that is your role in your family. If Carol wrote to us, she said she's very special to me and the rest of the family. Please wish her a happy birthday and a happy Mother's Day. She's a stay-at-home mom for two young daughters, Jessica and Caitlin. So there you have it. Happy birthday to you, Janice, and if you have other long-distance dedications you'd like us to take a crack at, by all means, just send them in. You know, Janice is my age
0: and um, much younger than her other sisters, as yes. I am. <laughs> oh, thank goodness you got that comment in, Leanne. As I am. I'm the glue, too. <laughs> So you do hold Thanksgiving,
3: although I did it last year. So I don't know what's happening to the glue. (laughs) The glue
0: needs a rest sometimes. (laughs) glue needs a break.
2: (laughs) Yeah, the glue needs a pampering spa day. So I hope Janice gets one on her birthday or Mother's Day or something.
3: Hey, can we move on to cuz I have a very special report from the Somebody is Listening department. <laughs> you know, we, we just we're Satellite Sisters. We toil toil away on the radio. We point out inequities, incivilities. We try to right wrongs. We try to make things a little better. We've been doing this for 8 years. We mm-hmm. have a vault of Satellite Sister issues that we have tried to bring up, that we have tried to make a change.
2: Not just and, issues, Julie, we have offered solutions, solutions, as Hillary Clinton likes to say. <laughs> We're about solutions. We are about solutions at Satellite
3: Sisters. That's exactly right, Liz. And you may remember at the very beginning of Satellite Sisters, way back at the beginning, I talked about airport security. In fact, this was pre-9-11 when yes. I was talking about it. And it was a problem then. You know it's a problem now. And I observed, as a frequent flyer, that there was that they really should have a different system at the airport. I said that it should be organized like a ski area where you have designated slopes for experts, intermediates, and beginners. Mm-hmm. I said that's the way security should be organized at the airports, with expert lanes, with intermediate lanes, and with beginner lanes.
2: And at the time, it seemed like a complete crackpot yes, idea. Yes, it
3: was a crackpot idea. But I'm telling you, the TSA has adopted my crackpot idea. <laughs> I am I am happy to announce at Love Field here in Dallas, as well as in Denver, Houston Hobby, and in Orlando. And my goodness, they need it in Orlando if yeah. you've ever gone through that
0: airport. There are some beginners in Orlando. <laughs> they are walking walking through security, full pockets full of change. I know. Just, I know. Man. You know, with like, yeah, with like metal to, metal bar strapped to their body. <laughs> what? To take this off? What?
3: <laughs> well, Leon, now in the Orlando Airport and Love Field here in Dallas, they have a new program called the Diamond Self Select Program for their security lines.
2: Oh, are you so, kidding me? No,
3: that black diamond, and they have a little picture picture of a um, black. It's a like a black diamond with a bronco rider in the middle of it. And that's for experts. That's for frequent flyers. <laughs> if you know how to go through security, you know how to take off your shoes, get your laptop out. You know, go through. They'll take your jacket off. Empty your pocket. This is the line for you. Yeah. Then they have the blue line. That's for intermediate. So, or for people with have who have lots of items. You know, Sheila. She- <laughs> exactly. she. Exactly.
0: You know, Sheila. (laughs) Sheila knows what to do. She just has a lot of items.
3: Yeah, and she
2: doesn't anticipate.
3: No, it's just it's slow. So that's a blue square with like a slow poke horse in the middle of it. (laughs) Now, I love the green. That's for people who are unfamiliar with with the security um, program. You know, Mm -hmm. that just don't travel a lot, or that they have children, and that they have beverages. And that's it's very appropriate (laughs) because they have a green symbol with a chuck wagon in the middle of it.
0: <laughs> Just as the baby right through, right on the, uh, like the conveyor belt. Or in the stroller. They've got like eight kids hanging onto the stroller and they're trying to wheel that.
2: <laughs> oh.
0: So the whole chuck wagon group, they now know where to go.
2: And I and this is where our mother belongs too. Because <laughs> she's usually traveling with a ham and some ch- foil-wrapped food for whatever reason that is very suspicious in the x-ray machine.
3: Potpourri. She always <laughs> travels with potpourri. So, but I think this is a great improvement. I'd love to know if you have gone through this. I'm tempted to just go over and give it a try because you know it was our idea. Now, the TSA has not thanked us, but that's okay. That's okay. (laughs) We know it was a great idea. It took eight years to implement, and we hope it comes to the airport nearest you because... It should be great, don't you think, Julie?
0: It's people are listening. You're right. Somebody is listening. I'm so proud of you. It's a
2: breakthrough idea.
3: So, I mean, I, what, Liz? What else can we we solve now that we've solved the
2: airport security issues? I'm trying to think of other important, important solutions we have offered here on Satellite Sisters to just make life safer and better. And for me, you know, I don't bring this up much anymore because it just seems like I'm. I'm, I'm running against the tide. I'm just swimming upstream on my campaign to bring back the blinker. Right. (laughs) Because people have just stopped using their turn signals because they're doing something else with that hand. They're, you know, on their cell phone or they're drinking coffee or microwaving something in the passenger seat (laughs) or faxing something or texting a message to someone ahead of them in traffic. And because we no longer have the hand that used to operate our turn signals, nobody's blinking anymore, mm-hmm. and I just think it's creating a lot of stress on the roads so do you think, do you think there's any chance now that you you got the TSA to adopt your idea we could actually bring back the blinker wouldn't that be exciting?
0: Well, we
3: hope that somebody is listening Liz. Mm-hmm. that's all we can hope for
2: also
0: I just would like to advocate again, have your checkbook and ID ready <laughs> That's another policy I've been working on for many years. Uh-huh. Whatever the circumstance, yeah. have your checkbook and ID ready. Seems simple when you say it. Have your checkbook and ID ready. <laughs> it is simple, Liz. So now that we've, Julie, now you fixed airport security. We're bringing back the blinker and encouraging you to have your checkbook and ID ready. Keep on listening. Hey,
3: sisters, on a much more serious note, uh, one of the other big stories this week, um, and it's something, again, that we have been talking about for a very long time here at Satellite Sisters, is the situation in Myanmar. Mm -hmm. You know, we talked about it in the past because of the repressive uh, military government that is there. But, of course, you know, this past week, they suffered the worst storm in decades, and you know it's first of all a cyclone is a hurricane. They just use a different term in southeast uh, Southeast Asia. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, it's the same thing. Uh-huh. It is absolutely the same thing. Good thing you're listening, Liz. You'll yes, pick thank the you, pick Julie. some things up, and. You know, as of today, there is still uncertainty over the willingness of the military government to allow international aid into the country. Some is making it into the country. The UN has some shipments going in. The U.S. military, the Thai government, there are still other countries that are waiting to get their aid in there. And and the aid agencies are very concerned about... Even if they get get their aid in there, that whether or not the military government will siphon off the aid or actually distribute it to the people.
0: That's when you realize how horrible a repressive government is talking Mm -hmm. about 100,000 people and probably two or three times that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you see the pictures of the devastation and they won't even let the aid come in. I know because
3: you know again they were you know they they were totally effective this government in sort of quelling or smashing. Remember when the monks were protesting when they were advocating for democracy? There, the military government was totally effective, but in this case, they are overwhelmed, and so they are stalling with visas and with conditions and red tape and making it difficult. In fact, one French um, aid expert he wanted to invade the country.
2: Because he felt that's what it was going to take. Yes, he said it was
3: such a humanitarian disaster there that he felt in certain circumstances you just have to take over. Obviously, uh, others did not agree with him. That won't be happening. There won't be an invasion. But, you know, we do hope that the aid gets there. And I just want you to know that we did put at Sister Spot at SatelliteSisters.com a list, a link to aid agencies that are going to be providing relief um, to the poor people of Miramar. Me?
2: All right. Yeah, it's, you know, I think we'll start to see more and more images of that on television. And if you are moved to help, Julie posted that story at Sister Spot, and you should go check that out.
0: All right. More coming up on Satellite Sisters. Of course, we're going to hear about Julie's epic trip to Iraq. Matt Lauer, I hope you're listening for that. No, seriously, Julie, cannot wait to hear about that. So much domestic news to cover um, from Liz Land. We got a report uh, there. Election results, yeah. You know. And then uh, Barbara
2: Walters. Well, yes. w- what was she thinking? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I can't explain it. But uh, I'll do In my best. The sunset best. of her life. <laughs> oh, that's so cruel, Julie. Yes. Don't, don't, don't be like said- Star. <laughs> don't be like Star. Oh. Did you hear Star Jones said that about Barbara? In the sunset of her life? In the sunset of her life. It's so sad that she admits to being an adulterer. Something really... That was a bizarre statement. I promised I would never repeat it, but Julie started it.
0: (laughs) 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 And then entertaining Sheila, advocating a little movie called Iron Man. So stay with us. We're the Satellite Sisters. You are listening to Satellite Sisters To Go. Lee and Liz and Julie here. Sheila coming up later on. Jason Castro is gone from American Idol. All is good. Oh, that's why you're in such a good mood today, Yeah, Lee. Julie, you missed that when you were in Iraq. Uh, no, but I know, but he's from Texas, Lee, and he I know. gets so much support. People here are really sad about that. Did you see him do Bob Marley on AI? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> really? Really? Oh, boy. Okay, so that was happening in the U.S. Lots going on. Of course, Liz Land report about some election results this week.
2: Yeah, you know, we're just filling Julie in on things she missed because she was in Kurdistan Mm -hmm. this week, and we're going to hear about that later on. But uh, Tuesday night, Julie, there was an election, several primaries here in the United States. And, you know, I've admitted to being a little bit of a news junkie and particularly political news. I enjoy that. But the last month or two, some fatigue was setting in Mm -hmm. with me. Mm -hmm. And my process was degrading, you know, the I wasn't I didn't I didn't have all of the TVs tuned simultaneously to different channels. And there was a moment early on in the exciting primary uh, season when I would have two laptops fired up in my living room at any given time because I wanted to create that situation room feeling Mm -hmm. in my in my living room that Wolf has. Mm -hmm. Like if Wolf can have a situation room, why can't? Liz have a situation room. So that's why I dubbed it Lizland so I could monitor any situation. But I, I fatigue had set in. But then Tuesday night it all came back. The excitement of really knowing something 10 seconds before Wolf knows there was I had that opportunity. It was as of course you know it was the Indiana primary and the North Carolina primary. The North Carolina primary got called very quickly. So very early. So even by the time – that's the thing. When you live on the West Coast, by the time you even think like, oh, hey, maybe I should turn on the news, many things are over. Mm-hmm. It's not news anymore. Uh, but the, Indi- the Indiana – It's still printer, news, Liz. But- I know. It's news. But it was like you turn it on and it was kind of settled very quickly. Uh, but I had invited my friend Betsy, also a political junkie, over to watch with me. Mm-hmm. So ordered in a little Thai food. To be your panel of experts? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. No, I'm going to tell you about my panel. Oh, okay. Do you
3: have a map? Do you have one of those those big, those electronic maps, Liz, in the house now? No,
2: but I do have my own personal analysts because I've, I've decided, like, you know how CNN has 8,000 analysts oh on the stage at any given moment now? Some of those people individually I enjoy. Collectively... They just are not working for me. I don't need 27 people commenting on, we don't really know what happened in Lake County yet, but here's what could happen if that happens. Uh, so, So it was just Betsy and I in front of the TV with my laptop. The fact that this one county in Indiana, like, did not report and did not report. Made it so exciting it was, for us. It was exciting. Wasn't, wasn't it good? I, it was. It was exciting. I was watching, too. And so then we, so we had the laptop on the CNN.com county-by-county county results. So you're just obsessively clicking the refresh button on your laptop so that you'll know, even before they announce it, uh, <laughs> that the 28% of Lake County is now reporting. And we did beat them by 10 seconds. Oh. in in Lant, we beat the Situation Room. Uh, But A couple of observations. Number one, my own personal analyst did call in. This process now, we've refined it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's one of the reasons I'm grateful for my new VTech cordless (laughs) phone, because the caller ID really works. And I was having a problem with previous primaries where people would call me during primary results, and I would assume they were calling to talk about the primary, Mm -hmm. but it was just people that weren't even watching. They wanted to shoot the breeze. Yeah, they wanted to just talk to me in the middle of a primary result.
3: What were they thinking? So I would
2: answer, and then I would have to pretend that I wanted to talk to them, and finally I couldn't stand it anymore, and I would tell them I would call them back tomorrow. But now I know exactly who's calling, and I can make the judgment. Uh, and so two <laughs> of the my-
3: judgment—that's what Wolf is doing yeah. Yeah. on the air.
2: So, so my analysts, one from Chicago and one from New York. I knew in each case, like the moment a speech ended, the phone rang. Mm. I could see from the caller ID <laughs> who it was, and I got instant <laughs> analysis from another part of the country, from Chicago after uh, uh, after Obama spoke, and then from New York after uh, Clinton spoke, Mm -hmm. and that part of it was all excellent. So that was observation number one, is I have my team now. Not only are there two of us in the living room, we have correspondents all over the country phoning in instant analysis. The other thing i got to say is, is it just me, or does Hillary Clinton look— the best she has ever looked in her entire life. She looks unbelievably you unbelievable. You are so right. She is so energized by this process. Mm-hmm. She looks fantastic. She sounds fantastic. She sounds happy. Every time she speaks, you know, I mean, things are not exactly going her way. Mm-hmm. And yet you just look at her and you you kind of, you want her to succeed just because she's really
3: It's like she's hit her stride. She actually looks much more attractive on air than she has at the beginning of the campaign.
2: I don't know. It's kind of sad that it could come to an end because I think she is really on a roll right now. Well, here's the thing, Liz. You know,
0: I, I am a Hillary supporter. I'd like to see a woman in the White House. I think she'd do a fine, fine job. And I just can't stand to see her lose to a younger better looking, less qualified man. Okay, I don't care who he is, okay? It's just a theory. I got nothing personal against Barack Obama. It's just the whole theory of it. It just happens every day in business and in real life, and yes. I just I it just makes me sick to see it replicating itself in politics, though I understand his appeal. I get it. I understand. So, I was watching Tuesday night And those analysts, because they have nothing better to do, the 120 analysts on the stage there with Mm -hmm. Campbell Brown and and Lou Dobbs and stuff. So once, you know, North Carolina was called at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, they started saying (laughs) she should pull out. She should pull out. And you know who I was reminded of, Liz? Who? Michelle Kwan. Oh, okay? <laughs> I was thinking about my girl, Michelle Kwan. Because remember when she was denied the gold medal? I mean, she won that darn gold medal, and they gave it to somebody else. And you know what? Everyone was saying she should retire now. Retire gracefully. You know, let uh-huh. the quote, next generation take over. Why? She's the best <laughs> skater ever. She's the best skater in the world. She wants to go for that gold medal? Let her go to Torino. I don't care. Let her go. And that's the way I feel like, why should Hillary Clinton pull out? It's mm-hmm. not over yet. Mm-hmm. There's well, just, I think, you know, exiting gracefully, that's totally overrated.
3: <laughs> you know, that's for people. You want
0: sort of a fight to the finish, line. Yeah, you they're... want a floor fight at the convention. Why not?
2: I mean, I don't, I don't understand what the rush just, is. It's you... no sweat off your back, is it? The, the last person left standing. No, me and Liz Land. No. I'm happy for it to go on. You don't I'm really it? worried if it doesn't go on, Liz. That's what that you won't. What, get... that'll no. have no meaning to <laughs> <in> my life? <laughs> I, I didn't say that.
0: <laughs> I just said, you know, if Michelle Kwan could go to Torino and fight for that gold medal, I think Hillary Clinton can hang in there. I mean, they make it sound like she's a big loser who's mopping up the floor. No, she's got a zillion delegates, too. She looks great. People respond to her. And when
2: you can't actually win, it might be a good idea to not carry on.
0: (laughs) You never know what's going to happen. I mean, what happens if Barack Obama goes out there and his his skate
2: lace breaks Liz, I mean, what if there is the (laughs) proverbial? You want him to not land the triple axel? Well,
0: yeah. What if, you know, what if something happens in the waning days and his training doesn't pull through? through or you know he has a, he a has groin a, pull he's a malfunction or something <laughs> he pulls a tie in randy and has to pull out at the last minute there she is she's ready to go as you said she's in fantastic shape she's she, ready to never take better over. never take better over. so hang in there hang in there hillary that's what i say <laughs> all right liz you're a resident business expert so i you know i i I follow along in the business pages. I don't always understand something. But I can tell you this. Uh, when I read, for instance, here's what Leon Dolan would do. If someone offered me $44.6 billion for anything I owned.
2: Yes. Anything. <laughs> yeah.
0: I take it. You know? They <laughs> <laughs> said, you know, even... No matter what, even if you thought you ha- it could possibly be worth $45 billion? You know what? I'd go, I'd ah, do the math. i go, what the heck? You know? <laughs> so... So maybe what's, a pulling, here, what's a billion here? a billion there? Exactly. I just, I take it. So this week, when Yahoo did not accept the offer from Microsoft for $44.6 billion, that that Jerry Yang, I don't know him, but, uh, you know, he seems to have made some smart moves in the past. <laughs> but this does not seem to be particularly smart. Why would you turn down an offer of $44.6 billion, especially when you know the, the minute you turn down that offer, your stock is going to plunge. It's going to
2: tank
3: it's right. t- and so- people are going to call for you to you know to step down. Right, you you're know. going to
2: get some shareholder suits. You're going to get all that kind of stuff going on. He must know in his heart, Leanne, that maybe it's worth forty-seven billion. You know, it's possible that he just knows fifty billion. He's a believer. He's, he's a fighter, a fighter Leanne. Apparently, <laughs> why should he give up? If you know, he's just the Michelle Kwan of the high-tech world. No, that's he's different. gonna different. He's going to keep going
0: because at any by any measure, forty-four point six billion dollars is a lot of money. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's so it, I just I don't understand why you would turn that down, because haven't you always said the value of company on papers is like a joke?
2: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, it's, right. I mean, it's That's especially... a good business
0: <laughs> rule. <laughs> I forget where I learned that.
2: Am I quoting you on that? Or? There, there well, are some that may disagree
3: with that point of view.
2: But a, lo- a lot of it is about hype. And I do think I mean, I'm not personal friends with Jerry or any of the other people at Yahoo. But I kind of feel like this is this super high-stakes game where they believe Microsoft is going to come around again, that Microsoft needs them and that they're just kind of playing chicken and that in another month there could be a higher offer. I don't know, but that's what people say. It is hard to imagine that you wouldn't just take the 44 billion (laughs) dollars
0: it's 44 billion it's not how much more do you want right i good point Mm -hmm. i mean i know that my we have made some real estate offers liz and they have been low balls you know my husband was the king of the low ball for a while i mean so low we didn't even get counter offers but i think 44.6 billion dollars is not a low ball offer (laughs) it's not a bargain basement price that you're offering can't
2: explain that, Leah, all right. okay. except, you know, I think you'll probably see another whole round, even though really? they, they, even, say. Even though they say it's over. This is my prediction. It's not over. I mean, there are only like five people left in this whole business, and they're all going like, to be in business with each other. They've started joking about, well, we could see yahoo <laughs> maybe that he just name. thinks he'd rather be Yahoo than be micro you <laughs> or whatever. Micro who? Ya soft. I, I, I don't know. Who soft? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on to other people in a high stakes game with big careers. How about that, Barbara Walters? Well, how, what happened? Julie, I know you were in Kurdistan this week, so maybe you didn't watch Oprah. Uh, no, no it was
3: not coming
2: in. No. <laughs> I'm here to fill you in. Uh, Barbara Walters, her memoir was published this week. It's entitled Audition, which I think is a very interesting title. for some, You think of someone as accomplished as Barbara Walters, and you wonder why... She feels like she's been constantly auditioning in her life, and mm-hmm. that's sort of her approach to the story is that she's always trying to prove herself, always trying to get another job, always sort of out trying to, uh, to better herself. So it's, it's an interesting idea for a life story, uh, but I was really kind of disappointed that all of the headlines – and so my, I asked myself, how much do I really want to know about Barbara Walters' sex life? That's, yeah, that's, you know, when I, I don't want to, it's the visual image that I, I know, I know, with. Julie, when I think about like the things I would like to know about Barbara Walter, uh-huh. like who she has slept with would be so far <laughs> down the list. I mean, I'm just, it's not, unless there's Peter Jennings. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Leon kind of like him. Know that. Uh, well, okay. If if Leon, if you're having fantasies about Barbara Walters' sex life, then I I, I think this is the book for you. Uh, But she is such a fascinating person with a fascinating career. And we don't know that much about her. Because, you know, her father was a nightclub impresario and all of that. I think people assume that Barbara Walters is this very straight-laced person that comes from a very traditional background. And that is just not the case at all. So that's why I was excited to tune in to The Oprah Show to hear, like, some of the details about uh, what's in the book. But I was bummed that they spent, like, the first half of the hour talking about gossip behind the scenes at The View, Mm -hmm. like Star Jones and Rosie O'Donnell. Now, when I think of people on the American stage, people that I care about, whose lives I'm curious about, where I'd like to know more about what goes on behind the scenes, I mean, Barbara Walters is fairly high up on that list, but i got to admit, maybe it's just me, Star Jones and Rosie O'Donnell, not so much. right? So it just seemed like such a waste to spend that much time hearing Barbara Walters' explanation about the day Star Jones quit on the air, live on The View. I don't know. Is it just me? I just... It, it that's so gossipy. That's like, OK, a couple of minutes on that would have been good. But then what was it like to really be you, Barbara Walters? And, you know, interview Fidel Castro right. and every especially president since the beginning of time. And, right. Especially
0: because she has literally interviewed every single person yeah. on the planet.
2: Right. Uh, so so that that kind of bummed me out mm-hmm. a little bit too much behind the scenes at The View. Like, do you care about Rosie well, O'Donnell? Uh, apparently
3: a lot of people do. Well, it's a very popular show.
0: (laughs) <laughs> not really though. I what, mean it's, the view? it's yeah, it, it was, you know, it was it's not yeah, it's not hugely popular. I agree. I mean, I a little bit more on her uh, career I think would have been interesting. Just yeah, so that tiny portion of her yeah, career. Yeah,
2: I'm sure it's all in the book. And then there was the whole discussion about she's been married three times and right. you know, you understand she she came out of this nightclub life uh so you can understand some of that. And then the big headlines of course have been that she admitted to this affair, this affair Uh, with Senator Brooke of Massachusetts Mm -hmm. and he was the senator from Massachusetts when we were growing up in Connecticut. I remember that was a big deal that uh, that Massachusetts had the only African American senator in the United States Senate. But I kind of felt sorry for him, too. You know, I mean, he's still alive. He's out there. He's, you know, divorced and moved on. But do I want to know that about Barbara Walters? And does she really have the right to spill that about some guy who's like left public life and gone back into private life. I really am of two minds about that.
0: It did make me wonder why. Why? That's what and I was wondering. I just, you know, the if here's here's the thing. If I ever say I'm going to write a tell-all memoir, seriously, shoot me because yeah. I, I no one should write a tell-all memoir. I really? Just, I mean, I don't know what possesses people to do that. Like. I I don't know. I don't know. Literally don't know why you would do that. Well, maybe she
3: was trying to sort of sort through her own life and sort of reconcile this and reconcile her private life with her public life. Get
0: a therapist. (laughs) I mean, seriously, go go for a weekend and talk to your family or your girlfriends. I don't know. I, I just think I agree with you, Liz. He. He did not ask for that. Right. And it was just because it was a, quote, illicit affair doesn't mean there's no public right to know about that kind of stuff. That's Just because it shouldn't have happened. Right. It
2: it wasn't a crime. her Her position was once I decided to write the book, I really wanted to be totally honest. And that's a legitimate point of view. You know, you see those memoirs that come out where people don't really cop to half the stuff they've done in their life. And it's just sort of that's bogus, you know. So I don't buy that, that you should.
0: Well, we Hi. wrote one of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but when we wrote our book on common senses, we decided like this was a book we were writing, but we didn't want to involve. But other people did not agree to that.
2: That's yes.
0: I mean, that's it's kind a of very a good classic me. memoirist dilemma. I mean, you see that a lot. Families break up over somebody writes a memoir about how evil dad is. I mean, look at the Sedaris family. Everybody in the whole family now has written a memoir about their childhood with like you know different. Points of view on that and mm-hmm. and, and it 's just it 's a tough road tough road to hoe, I think, but for her, i just don 't know why, with such a distinguished professional career, you would just undermine that completely with exposing your personal life like
2: that yeah I guess she doesn 't feel like it undermines her career. I guess she feels like it people have these impressions of who she is and the life she has led. And she wants to fill in some of the blanks or correct some of the misapprehensions. Yeah, I think. It's does not does it make I would you want to either.
3: read the book, hearing this information?
2: Well, you know, the fact that most of the discussion in all of the media, not just on Oprah, has been about behind the scenes gossip at The View. I kind of wonder, like, is there anything in the book about her actual career and all the fantastic firsts uh, that she accomplished for the women of the world Mm -hmm. and women in the United States? So I wish I knew more about what was actually in the book besides the gossipy headlines. I guess that's the way it works. And part of me wonders whether you don't cop to the affair with the African-American senator just because it's newsworthy. It's newsworthy Mm -hmm. and you're just you really need a bestseller. There's something in your ego that demands. That your book be a bestseller. And so the combination of the Rosie and star gossip and this revelation about your shocking past, that's the path to get on the bestseller list. So I I don't know. I'm not. I, I would like to read the book. If they could if I could just skip over the sections that are just I, I don't know.
3: <laughs> that might be visually suggestive. I, yes. I
2: I have a yes, exactly. I have a feeling I know as much about Barbara Walters as I need to know now from the the lengthy interviews that she's giving. So maybe I don't need to be All
0: right, so it, it's off our list for the Satellite Sisters Book Club. We are not, well, not I
2: think I don't exactly I don't know. Member. I would like to I just think it's such a lost opportunity to talk to her about her actual mm-hmm. career, mm-hmm. which has been so fascinating. Mm-hmm. What what was that like? So I would like to talk to her about the things that nobody else is talking to her about. But maybe nobody else is talking to her about it because nobody else cares. I don't know. <laughs> 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 maybe they really do care more about how rage-filled Rosie O'Donnell is. I mean, is that a headline? And I, yes. Oh, that's true. That, that came s- as no surprise to me at all. I don't mean to be mean, but no surprise <laughs> at all. Anyway, that's that's everything I have to say about that, Julie. You missed it. Maybe you can catch up. I'm sure you'll see her on a few other interviews uh, now that the book has actually been published.
0: All right. Speaking of our satellite sisters' r- book club, uh, later on this month, we're going to be talking to Cokie Roberts, newswoman Cokie Roberts, who does a fantastic job reporting on politics for ABC News and NPR. Her book, "Ladies of Liberty," is actually. Liz, about a lot of scandalous political affairs in Washington. So you will enjoy it. It's all about the women at the early dawn of uh, the Republic. Pick it up for more information on Ladies of Liberty or Cokie Roberts. You can go to SatelliteSisters.com. There's a box on our homepage. And if you click through, you can actually read excerpts from the book. And then uh, we'll be... And talking. she is
2: such a fun writer. Yes, I mean, she Cokie is. Roberts, when she writes history, you really care about the what's going on in the drawing rooms, the behind the scenes. It To me, much more interesting than what's happening in the green room at the view (laughs) much more interesting
0: (laughs) all right coming up now though on satellite sisters to go a very special international news roundup julie takes us to the kurdistan region of iraq where she went this week stay with us we're the satellite sisters
2: this is liz and we have some very exciting news that we are not allowed to tell you right now. Oh less, but I just want to get you excited about something that is coming up in your future. On May 19th, on Satellite Sisters, we're going to be launching a contest that has a fan fantastic prize sisters we can't win but this is going to be very exciting (laughs) we're from may 19th through the end of june we're going to be running a contest on satellite sisters and on the website where you can win a satellite sisters getaway right you and your satellite sister you're going to get a weekend in Seattle Washington we're going to be putting you up at the W Hotel wow (laughs) yeah see are you jealous now yeah W for wow yeah wow (laughs) and part of the whole weekend this is a relaxation weekend you and your satellite sisters you've earned it the hard way you're going to get tickets to a box to go see Jack Johnson in concert here's a little Jack oh yeah
0: mellow surfer dude Jack so cute adorable Jack Johnson This is an excellent prize. It's an
2: excellent prize. Jack is going to be playing at the Gorge Amphitheater, which is in George, Washington. I know that's a little confusing, but when the contest actually launches, we're going to have all of the details on SatelliteSisters.com.
1: Oh, what fun. So, So
2: it's win a trip to Seattle with your favorite Satellite Sisters. W Hotel, Jack Johnson, and some VTech phones. They're the ones giving us this prize. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're putting the whole contest together for us. So you're going to want to stay tuned starting May 19th through the end of June, and you're going to be able to enter every day to win this fantastic Satellite Sisters getaway. So, well, we're
0: going to stay tuned. I guess we have to. We we're, can't go, but we will listen.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So watch for that on SatelliteSisters.com, dot com. And more coming up right now on Satellite Sisters to go.
0: It means it's time for the international news roundup on Satellite Sisters to Go. And this time, Julie is the international news. Lian, Liz, and Julie, Sheila has even joined us. And you know how little she cares about international <laughs> news. <laughs>
1: but Julie, it's been but, one of the busiest weeks at Sister Spot because of your travel. So I'm listening in. <laughs> well, you know, sisters,
3: I made an unannounced trip to the Kurdistan region of Iraq. Now, when I say unannounced, you all knew I was going there, but I didn't tell mom and dad. Right. <laughs> I, I just...
2: I, or, I, or the I, international news media. Yes.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but I had an opportunity to go. I wanted to go. And this is why I love travel, because I think when you go to places... You know, it just, you learn so much, you see it for yourself, you make your own observations, and in many times those are very different than what you read about in the news and in the press. So I went with my husband. He's doing business development in this northern region of Iraq. It's called the Kurdistan region. We flew into the city of Erbil. Now, Erbil is located about an hour's drive from Mosul, and an hour's drive in the other direction from Kirkuk. So, and these
2: are cities, Julie, we see in the news all the time. Which I know. And so so you think about it.
3: So I was very close to areas that, you know, have, you know, have seen so much violence, that have seen so much terror, and, and for both for the Iraqi people and certainly for our armed services. But yet when I flew into Erbil, okay, it's a city of a million people. We flew in at night. All the lights were on, and we arrived at this brand-new, you know, brand-new airport. Uh, So I was not facing any sniper fire like other people I know. I mean, I just, you fly in, and what is so surprising about the Kurdish region is that they they completely have their act together. Mm -hmm. That you go there, the roads are good, there's so much building and construction. I mean, they have office buildings going up they have housing developments whole communities that they're building you know the hospitals they're b- building schools and you just for a second when you're there you're like am i in the same country that we've been at war with you know when we've been fighting a war with for 5 years and part of it is all of it is i think because of the kurdish people now here's here's just a quick overview you know in the middle east there are different ethnic groups you have the Arabs, you have the Kurds, you have the Persians, the Turks, the Jews, and the Palestinians. And then on top of those ethnic groups, then you would have different – different. you layer on religion. So you would have Sunni, you have the Shia, you have Christian groups. And so – but in the Kurdistan region of, of, of Iraq, that is a fairly homogeneous group. And in fact, because, because of the no-fly zone – Situation that was put into place after the first Gulf War. If you think back about the first Gulf War, we fought that war. We didn't take Saddam out, um, and, and but and so Saddam started to really persecute the Kurds, and so they the UN put in these sanctions to protect the Kurds as a humanitarian f- uh, feature, and so for the, throughout the first, you know, so from the time of the. 1991, the end of the first Gulf War, until now, the Kurds have really been able to operate, you know, in some ways. They've been able to put to organize their own government, to build their roads, to get housing, to, you know, to really they build They were very that,
2: autonomous, right? They were very autonomous. And the au- no-fly zone was our U.S. military protecting them, right? Right. So we were, I mean, it was Saddam who could not fly there. Right. That's exactly we right. we were.
3: Yeah. But so you go there and, and you're just, I was just completely surprised. I mean, I drove all through, you know, we we got in a car, we drove for three hours around the region, and Kurdistan kind of looks like New Mexico to me. I mean, oh, really? it has beautiful high mountains, big, you know, big fields. Um, it's very, very pretty. And again, a real contrast to the pictures that we see from southern Iraq, mm-hmm. which you know, uh, is much more arid, much more deserty. deserty. So I was just surprised how, how much, you know, how much, how all the shops are open. I, you know, sat in cafes. I had tea. I mean, I, I was really operating under relative security, which just, you know, I didn't expect that at all. I didn't know what to expect. I guess I expected what I saw on the news, and that is not what is happening in Kurdistan.
2: So well, th- that's why so much of the debate about the future of Iraq, you know, one of the fundamental debates is, is this really a country? Aren't there really three separate areas here that could be separate countries and people? The Kurds are a huge group, right? Aren't they one of the biggest ethnic groups in the world that doesn't have their own country? Yes,
3: they are. They are. So they are. there are Kurdish people in Iraq, in Turkey, in Syria, and in Iran and that just they have been separated by political political um, history rather than their own, you know their own history but one of the things that when you're there and we met with kurds and we met with you know various officials one thing that really comes through is you know they were really persecuted mm-hmm. under Saddam Hussein we had the we had the great honor of meeting the son of the president of the kurdistan uh, region and he's a 35-year-old he's a something. He's, he was educated in the U.S., went to George Washington University. And one of the first things that he said to us is, he, you know, he knew about Satellite Sisters. Um, I, told, <laughs> no, I, told him, I told him about okay, Satellite okay. Sisters. Okay, well, that's how he knew. <laughs> but he said, be sure to tell your listeners how grateful we are to the American people and to the American Army for saving our people. Yeah. yeah. That, you know, we forget there's so much debate about the war and, we, you know, so, you know all the mistake, policy mistakes that we've made, and they're so obvious when you're there in Iraq. But to the Kurds, it provided them with their freedom. I mean, that, you know, they, they say that under Saddam Hussein and his predecessor, a million Kurds were killed and they were killed in you know the greatest crimes against humanity you know they were gassed Gassed. Mm -hmm. you know in one village 15,000 people were killed in five minutes because Mm -hmm. of chemical weapons I mean you can't even we drove around to villages at one point Saddam wanted to wipe out the Kurdish people and he came in and there were approximately about 5,000 Kurdish villages in northern Iraq he wiped out 4,500 of them he they came in at night they killed the children and the women, the men, they, they burned all the houses, they killed, slaughtered the livestock, they even poisoned the well water so that if, you know, anyone lived, they wouldn't be able to come back to their village. I mean, just incredible atrocities that have been documented, and, and yet, you know, what? when you go there and you talk to the Kurds, one of the, the astounding things is they are not, like, plotting their revenge they are not, they did not, you they're know. Just they're just moving not, on. They are moving on. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they just, they want a better life for their children. Well, and don't they, they want,
2: have, they, they have a lot of natural resources too that they allow do. This them is a to big move on energy. economically.
3: This is a big energy area. They do want to explore that. They are, you know, again, they are in the um, constitution with with Baghdad, and they've agreed to provide their energy resources to the central government, and then they get back seventeen percent of the oil revenues. But they want so much more than just developing their energy economy because they don't want to be that lopsided. You know, they, you know, I, I saw they're building a luxury hotel there. Mm-hmm. I mean, did you think that that was going on in Iraq to have? Luxury
0: hotels going up. You know, Lee and you no, know that. Uh, and I have to say, business-wise, that seems a little sketchy. But that's, you know, I'm, not, I'm glad they have the confidence, but I don't think it's going to be on anyone's uh, top 10 list. But, but yeah, see, it's good for them. Good for but, them. I mean, but
3: you, you know, but you don't, again, it's that kind of courage and mm-hmm. patriotism they have that that they are willing to make those kind of investments and they are trying to encourage other groups. There's a lot of South Korean investment there. They really? had, you know, um, one of the big schools. They built an international school that was done by a Lebanese businessman. They're coming in. They want international investment because they want to move on. And again, when when many other countries, many other ethnic groups faced with the same kind of situation where their where their people were almost wiped out or a large portion were wiped out, might not have chosen to do it the same way. You know, mm-hmm. they, it was it was really. It was so profound to be there and kind of see that, and at the same time, know that just down the road it's a totally different situation. Right,
2: right. How much U.S. military presence did you see in the parts of Kurdistan that you visited, Julie? I
3: didn't see a single American soldier. Really? really. A, not a single. This whole area is controlled um, by the Kurdish army. So they, you know, they have checkpoints. You go through those now. For me, it's relative, because you know, sisters, I've traveled all over the world. I mean, I did go to Uzbekistan with my girlfriend Susie. Maybe mm. that wasn't the safest thing to do. Right. You know, lived in Russia, so I am used to going to countries where they have check- military checkpoints and you go through. But it's totally controlled. It's a totally—they were saying to me, they reported that in the last 17 years, they've had three car bombs. That's it. So that, you know, they have totally secured this area for, you know, uh, so that economic development can go on. Right, so,
2: secured since the early 90s. Since right? the early
3: 90s. In mm-hmm. fact, they were saying that many U.S. soldiers uh, will come up to this area, to the Kurdish area, to relax, to be able to take off their flak jackets, to be able to rest um, before going back, because it is an area that is relatively safe. Now I we were you know we were traveling around with hosts and I you know I will say I didn't tell mom this but I'm going to tell you <laughs> that they were you know there were guns in the car in yeah. fact we were in the back of an I had to sit in the back of an SUV I mean it wasn't bulletproof or anything like that and I got into the back of this car and we're, you know I'm trying to put my seatbelt on and things like for safety and I looked down and I realized that my, my feet are on a machine gun so my first thought sisters was. I hope it's not going to be a bumpy road. Right. <laughs> and then my second thought was, okay, who's going to be using the machine gun? Is it for me or not? But uh, so I'm not saying that it, there weren't situations mm-hmm. where there are, you know, where people are armed and they are, you know, they are certainly protecting each other, but it is an area of relative safety, and it's that safety that has allowed them to to move on and to try to encourage international you know, investors to come in and build build their country. That's what they want. And, and do
2: they talk at all about what the national government is doing? I know you're not there to talk politics with people, but is, does that come up in conversation? Yeah, they like, do. Because they, Kurdistan, it had been autonomous before the invasion of Iraq. So yes. they were kind of on their feet already, right? They were
3: on their feet. They had their act together. But they realize, I mean, I think they're practical. I mean, and again, because of this, you know, incredible you know, need and urge and will to survive and to just, you know, to make sure that their people survive, that for the, you know, they have signed into the, the constitution, Iraqi constitution. They have agreed to cooperate. They have agreed to provide oil revenues. They have agreed to do all of that. But at the same time, they are not, just because there is violence going on in the southern and central areas of Iraq, and they, you know, they're not going to sort of wait around until Baghdad decides what to do or not to do. They really are moving on. And that kind of courage, you know, when they've when they've lost so much, you know, mm-hmm. it would, I mean, if you had gone through, if everyone in your, you know, that you know had lost a brother, right. a, a father, sisters, if you have drive around in the place that you grew up and see burned out villages, it might make you, you know, you might come to a different conclusion about what to do with your life or, you know, how to proceed. You might just stay in exile. You might, you know, you might be too timid to, you know, to really organize yourself to develop, you know, uh, to develop for your future.
2: That must have been so fascinating.
3: It was really profound. It was really profound to talk to people. One of the guys that we were, you know, that we talked to, he was he was forced into exile in Iran. Mm-hmm. So he was sent to a refugee camp in Iran. And somehow, he didn't say his details, he wanted to get to, the, to America. He wanted, again, because they are very pro-American. Mm-hmm. They really are truly grateful to America for, you know, for so many things. And somehow he made it to Amsterdam. But he didn't have anything. He didn't have a passport. He had no documents. He just had a simple card that said he was a refugee. And so he wasn't able to get into the U.S., but um, the government, um, the Netherlands government, provided him with asylum. So he moved to he moved to the Netherlands, and for 12 years he lived there. He learned Dutch. He volunteered for the Netherlands army, and then went back to Iraq to fight um, to fight against um, Saddam Hussein. Wow! And now he's now he's in now he's living in Kurdistan. And he wants to build a future for his family and for you know all Kurds. And you just hear that, and you're just completely humbled by that. You know by their experience. Right. We talked to some other guy who, again, Saddam was coming in. They 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 had to escape to the mountains, and these are these are big mountains. Mm-hmm. I you know I like I, as high as the th- not maybe as high as the ones that you see in the Rockies or like or New Mexico, and they walked for eight days in the mountains with nothing with no food with you know just to escape saddam and they hid up there until they could to get to some place to get to a refugee camp you know and you're just so to meet people like that mm-hmm. firsthand and hear their stories was a really profound and um, meaningful experience
0: and to know that they've come back
3: and to know that they've come back I guess that's the big success story and I don't think I don't. I have never heard that. I don't. You know, I've been listening to the news on the war in Iraq for five years. I have not heard
2: this story.
0: Well, they usually describe at least that part of the country as the most stable, right? Yeah, but
2: right. But and and during the be- during the political debates in the, during the election season, there were people. Uh, Joe Biden believes that that region of Iraq should be. Independent. I mean, that was part of his plan that he put for that Iraq is not a real country, that it should actually be three different countries and that that might be the way politically to go forward. So you you do hear people sort of recognizing that the situation, as you move around that country, which was created in a conference room by the British, Mm -hmm. you know, people know that it's not necessarily one natural national entity. And so I think you're articulating, having seen that with your own eyes, that there's a, there's, they've been autonomous long enough to really get on their feet.
3: Yeah, and so, but I don't. I think they say it's relative to what's happening in central and you know in southern Iraq. It's more stable, but it's much more than more stable. Mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. that's that's what you need to know. You know, that it is really you know they are. You know, I, I have been to other regions of the world and that, you know, where it looks more developed than some of the places I've seen in South, Southeast Asia, for example.
2: Well, I know on Monday show you're going to give us more of the fun stuff, too, yes. about the culture of Kurdistan and, you know. Some of the
3: hospitality Yeah, i, I want to hear about and like some of the sights and sounds. and,
2: what, yeah, what it's like to walk around in those cities and how do you get there? But
3: that's, that's <laughs> a whole You can. Other Austrian <laughs> Air. You can fly our Air Jordan. It's all really? possible. Yes, really? Air, the- Air Jordan? Yes.
0: Royal, Jordan, Royal yes. Jordanian okay. Air. Okay, because I was thinking there's a copyright issue there. <laughs> that we, should get, we should alert somebody. Okay, okay. Royal Jordanian
3: Air or Austrian Air have daily flights into Erbil.
0: Well, if you want to see pictures of Julie and uh, her international businessman husband, they are on Sister Spot. Uh, more of her reporting is there at our blog. So please go check it out. Leave your comments if you have questions for her. Julie, you're willing to answer questions Absolutely. on the blog, right? Yes. Okay. Well, thank you.
2: That is fascinating. fascinating. More- I can't believe that last Friday I we know. were doing the show, and between last Friday and this Friday, you've gone to Kurdistan and back. It's still, I'm still shocked at that. Well, that's what I do for
3: you, sisters. It's another week around the world with the International News Roundup.
0: All right, well, you know what our sister Sheila does for us? She goes to movies. Oh, it's a tough job, but someone's got to do it. Entertaining Sheila with her thoughts on Iron Man. Stay with us.
1: This is Blogmeister Sheila here with my sisters Liz and Leanne. So happy to be reporting from Sister Spot. Well, Sister Sister Spot. It's a a place, too? Yes, it's a place. It's a place you can go, and it's a state of mind. But it's on fire at Sister Spot right now. Of course, we have Julie's news from around the world. Mm -hmm. Fascinating stuff. And news from my cozy couch. Yes, indeed. Equally fascinating. Yes. I mean, did you see Wedding Wars on Top Chef, anybody? (laughs) Look for my posting on that coming up very soon. My girl Stephanie pulled it out with the wedding cake. So proud of you, Stephanie. But I wanted to address a question that came to me um, from a couple of you. When you post a comment, you have four choices in what you can do. So let me go through those quickly. Uh, if you have Gmail, which is email from Google, you have a Gmail account and you can post that way. There's another choice there called open ID. Don't worry about that, I don't know what that means. <laughs> there are lots of little symbols. Just skip over that one. Because really all you're re- really concerned with are the, second to the mm-hmm. two last choices, name slash URL and anonymous name is easiest if you click on that you can choose any name you want yeah you can just make something up just for that post exactly we're never gonna know we are never (laughs) going to know you can put Snoopy if you want it's a very popular name in case you didn't know (laughs) and you don't have to have a URL you You don't have to. that's optional people so just click on name and choose a name you can do a different name every day also anonymous I mean come on just pick a name, be creative, <laughs> have fun. So, you know, you have your Gmail, email from Google, if you have that. Sophisticated, I know. Then the name URL, pick a name. You know, what? and the good thing about when you pick a name, we lo- even if you don't want to tell us your real name, we love to
2: know where you live. So even if you just say, like, Snoopy in, you know, Houston. That's fine. We like the Houston piece of information. We know your real name is not Snoopy. Right,
1: but there's so many Snoopies out there <laughs> that we need to know what city you're from. So go ahead, comment at Sister Spot, please, and pick a name, any name.
3: Two of us in a double feature. I'm a rock and roller. She's a science
0: teacher. I send her lucks. They don't reach her. she does not know I'm in love with her la, la, la. I'm in love with the girl. We
1: are the satellite sisters, and this is entertaining Sheila, everybody. And this week, the movie is Iron Man. It's a little movie that might be in theaters. <laughs> But you've got to look carefully. You know, just keep looking because it's worth going out of the way for. Now, it was only playing every hour on the hour at the AMC in Santa Monica, so it was tough for me. Uh, But if you have trouble finding it, just look for the red and black Iron Man suit because Robert Downey is inside. And he is worth the price of admission, as Monica always says. (laughs) All right, Iron Man. It's based on the Marvel comic. Iron Man stars R.D. Jr. as Tony Stark, arms dealer and Iron Man. All right. (laughs) And I don't know. The word magnificent comes to mind. That's... uh... Really? Yes, indeed. Um, Also stars Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts, Tony's trusted assistant. Now, I have had trouble with Gwyneth in the past. Yes. And, um, you know, I I think that trouble really stems from sort of that... Your jealousy? That poisonous plant that lives inside (laughs) of me. It's, 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 It's... (coughs) <coughs> it's called envy. And it, ugh, sometimes I feel like I'm strangling with it. Um, but I do admit, I feel close to Gwyneth because I did uh, see her mother, Blythe Danner, at Nail Spa Lane. And I told Blythe just how much I enjoyed her work in Will and Grace. Uh, but anyway, Gwyneth is fantastic in this movie. Mm. She's perfectly cast. More on that later. Jeff Bridges is also in the movie. He's bearded. He's bald, super scary, as Obadiah Stane, Tony Tony Stark's second-in-command. And another surprise for me in the movie was Terrence Howard as Tony Stark's Air Force liaison. Ooh. Now, I've had trouble with Terrence in the past because he's just kind of a... I, my stunt meter goes up when I see Terrence Howard in mm. interviews. Really? Know, there's, there's just a whole he's thing. He's so attractive. Right. But there's that whole thing a couple years ago he, where he decided to go celibate even though he had been married. All right? There was that whole thing. I missed miss that. All right. <laughs> I don't, I don't read those publications. And then, you know, he, he recently came out and said, you know, he's never truly been in love. I'm sure his ex-wife felt good about that quote. Yeah. Um, and then, then just the other day I was reading that physics is his first love. You know, just don't admit something like that. I mean, I, I, Hot Pockets are my first love, but I don't want to say that <laughs> to people. <laughs> anyway, I thought Terrence Howard's performance and Gwyneth's, Two were so... So wonderful for me because of John Favreau's direction. It's humorous, it's light, it's unexpected moments that take a super slick action flick and make it very fresh. Now, as I said, um, the only show after the three o'clock matinee was the four. So I had a tight schedule. <laughs> um, so I had to go to the movie at three. Then I had to go up to the Apple store at 5.30 if only to sit in the kitty module just for a few minutes and use the free Wi-Fi there, Liz, Uh to email my friend Karen about the book club location that evening. Uh You know, my book club.
2: You don't read books. We don't
1: read books. Mm. Um, And um, so it it was tight, but I got it all done. Now, I know, getting back to John Favreau, Liz, I know John Favreau is one of your favorite directors. I love him.
2: Well, I just think he seems like a smart, fun guy. He's an actor, director, writer, the kind of of triple threat, but in a fun package that
1: I really am attracted to. Okay, here's something I've never admitted before, all right? I did not see Swingers, and all these years I've been telling you I did, all right? And then I thought it was a great movie. In 1996 was a very bad year for me, as you remember. So I didn't see Swingers, but I'm seeing, I saw Iron Man, and I really admire Favreau's not only his ability to cast the right people in these roles, but just play them off each other in the middle of this super slick action movie. You
0: know what? That explains your dislike of Vince Vaughn. Yes! I
1: think if you would just rent <laughs> Swingers, yes, you, okay. would, you, you would, would understand Vince Vaughn. I know. I've been and telling you I don't like Yeah, and I have no reason. Fair. I know, it's, it's not, not justified. It's not fair to judge him without <laughs> seeing Swingers. Okay. But one thing I do know, I don't like any movie with Transformers or, you know, special effects. I... You know, I I shy away from those movies, but I was going into this full tilt because of Downey, because he fought for this role, because he worked out six hours a day doing esoteric martial arts to prepare for the role. And he was getting great, great reviews. So when we meet Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., he's riding in a Humvee to one of his arm sites in Afghanistan. He's tan, he's drinking expensive scotch on the rocks in this in this Humvee with the machine guns on the floor, Julie. Okay. And he's rocking a killer suit and shades and he's cracking jokes. And he does that great Robert Downey thing where he's kind of talking out of the side of his mouth, you know, but it's perfect delivery the whole time. And he's just, he just wins you over instantly in the first few minutes of this movie. And then, boom, his whole life changes in the next few minutes of the movie. And his life. Is saved by a you know mysterious stranger named Yin Sen, and they become cellmates, captive in a cave in Afghanistan. And he's going to be killed, Leon, if he doesn't build a deadly missile, mm. but Downey doesn't want to do that.
3: <laughs> okay, he, he doesn't talk no. in a baby voice. Does he? I'm not going to see the movie. I uh, yeah. okay. don't
1: believe John
2: Favreau would ever tell. I don't him know to do why that. I
1: just did that. No. Anyway. Really, I'm reduced to a baby when I see Robert Downey Jr. in a T-shirt, because most of the scenes in the next section of the movie are Robert Downey in his bulging muscles in a T-shirt, tanned, you know, streaked with iron, sort of attaching wires, bulging, forging metal, you know, and... uh, I knew, like, I read an interview that he didn't want... He wanted to be big for the movie, but he didn't want to be too big because his suit really does the trick in terms of strength. Uh, but believe me, he's big, and... uh He's basically in really good shape in this movie. so We're we're, we're getting that idea. Yes. A paragraph on on the T-shirt. Is there anything else in the movie? (laughs) So just we want to establish that because then, you know, for the rest of the movie, he's wearing the suit. All right. Now, what happens is he has a change of heart, people, on many different levels. Yes. And our engineer, Kia, is shaking her head. She knows what I mean. I don't want to give anything away. She's seen the movie. But when he comes back... One of the few. I don't know where she found it. (laughs) (laughs) When Tony returns to his mansion in the Malibu Hills, you know, and Stark Industries, he sets out to make all of his wrongs right. And it's great. The rest of the movie just involves a lot of test runs for Iron Man, blowing things up, Gwyneth's worried but steady, more T-shirt shots... Jeff Bridges with a Stogie, really, really creepy. Downey is just at the top of his game, but he's often been at the top of his game. But what's so interesting, he's in the middle of this huge blockbuster movie, and he's doing what he does best, intelligent human acting. Beautiful performance, lonely man at the top. And it is ironic that in the last three roles he's had, he does play An alcoholic. And we know that in real life, you know, Robert is just trying, like Tony Stark did, to right his wrongs, to live clean and free, and pump a little iron when he wants (laughs) to, right? And do some esoteric martial arts. Why not? But hey, before I give you my uh, star rating, I just want to say, in typical uh, entertaining Sheila fashion, something really bizarre happened as I was leaving. (laughs) (laughs) the movie. No, this is a true story. I got lost in the parking structure. I was up on the sixth floor on the promenade, Mm -hmm. Uh and it was just Classic crime scene, everybody. I'm not kidding. This is a true story. Two men were hanging out with the doors open in this sinister Nova, like a 1989 <laughs> Nova, if you know what I'm talking about. One guy, this is a true story, bald head and a beard. <sighs> Just like Jeff Bridges? Yes. Another guy in a three-piece suit, but he kind of looked like Salvador Dali. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to be kidnapped. <laughs> Brought to a cave in Rancho Cucamonga. Where is Iron Man? And I was driving. I I was right in front of them. And they were behind me as I was leaving the parking structure. And then when I realized when I got to the ticket booth, I didn't have any money. (laughs) So I had to pull over. And I heard them laughing at me with the Nova engine running. And they were like a sinister laugh coming at me. I was so freaked out. Oh. God. So this is just
2: two guys <laughs> in a car behind you and yeah. your car. No, that maybe- is scary. Okay, that sounds ooh. all right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bizarre. Oh, on a one to coming out of a parking structure. There <laughs> in was a car, car
0: behind you.
1: <laughs> Bald and beardly. and okay, go see the movie and you'll know what I'm talking about. Kia knows. All right, one big sister for Robert Downey. He's doing. He's doing the deal. He is the man in this movie. Another big sister for Gwyneth. And I am doubly jealous of you because you're working out with my other best friend, Madonna. <laughs> I want to be part of that threesome in London, Leon. I know. How can Sheila. I be with them? I know they would like me. <laughs> all right, another big sister for John Favreau, pulling it all together. And another half a sister for that three o'clock showing. If they weren't showing it then, I don't know when I would have seen it. <laughs> three and a half sisters for Iron Man. This has been entertaining. Sheila, go forth and entertain.
0: Ooh, All right. All right, all right so Sheila.
1: it's not too special effectsy, I
2: got to say. I'm the person in america who didn't see it last week because i thought hey, you know superhero special
1: effects no it's not too much actually the action shots are i don't know what they call it with that technique is. it's sort of like a a long shot it's not too broken up if you know what i mean uh-huh. probably don't because i don't even know what i mean yes, but that.
0: it's <laughs> I, I don't believe, i don't That's remember good analysis, reading Sheila.
2: that in any film <laughs> theory book. It, it's not too much
1: is okay. what i'm all saying right. all right,
2: right
0: <laughs> Not too much. You heard it from entertaining, I'll take your Sheila. Word for
2: it entertaining Sheila. Are
0: there any talking cars?
1: Um, those As, are in the parking oh, structure. I'm not going to tell you, Land. Oh.
2: oh. oh. <laughs>
1: I'll leave that as a surprise.
0: <laughs> well, that may be a nice Mother's Day treat for me. <laughs> going Well, Robert Downey will be a good Mother's Day yeah. treat. <laughs> oh, believe me. Well, my seventh grader saw it. He absolutely loved, loved, loved it. He said, let's go back again. He wants to see it again. Good. So, good for we, you. Gonna, we've got a lot <laughs> of movies. So that's what you're doing on Mother's Day? Yeah. I mean, yeah. We're going to go to the beach. I'm going to see Brandon and Laura. Maybe we'll all take in Iron Man. That sounds, it sounds fun. And then, well, because I'm really saving up for
2: Indie. Oh, Indiana Jones! Yeah, yeah. May twenty seventh. That's your true love. Yeah, that's mm-hmm.
0: yeah. He, that, I'm I'm thinking about like a midnight. I heard Kate Blanchett
1: has quite an interesting role in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort yeah. of like a Tilda Swinton presence. He's looking, looking forward to hearing about oh, really? that. Really, because
2: I'm waiting up for it. Sex in the City. Is really what I'm looking forward to.
1: Yeah. So are a lot of people. When is that opening? <laughs> <laughs> Let's
2: see. We'll have to research that. <laughs> hey, but it is Mother's Day this weekend. Sheila, don't we have to find the winners? The last two winners are most embarrassing mothering moments contest, which we've been running on the air and online at SatelliteSisters.com. Oh, so exciting. I wish
1: I could read every letter, but I can't. Two big winners this week. You will be receiving, of course, the Oregon Chai gift baskets. And our first winning letter is from Sandy in Forest Hills, Maryland. Oh, three kids she had at the local mall, four, three, and one. I mean, Uh that's just embarrassing to begin (laughs) with. (laughs) Now, the only thing that... We say with the greatest amount of empathy, Sandy. (laughs) That is
3: a lot to take to the shopping mall.
1: Now, uh, she said that the only thing that fit her at the time was a denim dress that snapped up the front. Now, you probably know where this is going Oh, I know where this is going. Yes. Uh, So she's traipsing through the mall. She ended up carrying one baby, the one-year-old, pushing the stroller, holding on to the hand of the other. But they all started crying. And she said, okay, you can hold on to my dress. Mm -hmm. One chose north, one chose east, and the other chose west. The dress popped open all the way. All the snaps came up all the way to the top. But you'll be happy to know that Sandy was wearing a slip. Sandy was wearing a slip. And, Julie, I know that's a woman after your own (laughs) heart. I,
3: I didn't know anyone else in America wore a slip other than me. I had one on last night, Sheila.
1: Sandy, just a great, great letter. Super embarrassing. But, you know, I hate... If we had to give a prize for the most embarrassing, I think our next winner would win it. I mean, this is amazing. Heather in Tennessee. OK. Heather's having her car serviced. She's trapped at the dealer's. Um, she's d- trapped at the dealer's' waiting room. A man brings up, starts talking to her child about Halloween. And uh, the nice man said, do you ever dress up? Yes. The girl said, yes, I do. But really, my mom and dad dress up more. My mom has a a policewoman costume. And dad is the bad guy and makes her wear handcuffs. And they didn't even do it for Halloween. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Heather had to wait for one more excruciating hour in the car dealership while the man looked at her like, you... Wasn't he a policeman too? And he was a policeman. Yes. Oh, yes. oh Heather, oh. we love you. Well,
0: congratulations to all of our, both of our winners this week. You will be getting the beautiful Oregon Chai gift basket. Sheila, good job administering the contest with Monica. Of course, we have an exciting contest coming up in a couple weeks, so always Day listening to Satellite Sisters to go. Um, we are really quickly running out of time here, but yeah. we just want to wish all the mothers and the aunts and the caregivers and the teachers a very happy Mother's Day this weekend. And to our
2: own mother, happy yeah, Mother's Day. I'm heading Day. Day. Happy happy to Portland, as soon as we finish to spend Mother's Day with our mother.
0: Oh, okay. And Monica Julie, and I does, are doing that? Does Nana get a special uh, Mother's Day card? I bet. I better get you a better. grandmother ca- card. <laughs> That's all I can say. I'm, I'm staying home waiting for the gifts to roll in. Leanne, how about you? Oh yeah, me too. I, I want a heart monitor, and I'll, I'll explain more. <laughs> <laughs> my, my new eight-week challenge, my workout heart monitor. Oh. All right, she'll have a happy Mother's Day. Thank you, Lynn. All right, Happy Mother's Day to all. Don't forget, call your mom this weekend.